Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, An Empty Universe, written by Dracogreus. The long history of the universe, there was a great many forms of life that had evolved. Admittedly, life was a somewhat ambiguous term, especially when a semi-self-propagating protocells are concerned. Nonetheless, life in the great and expanding universe has always been incredibly rare relative to a single planet, but incredibly common when considering the universe as a whole. Anything that's happened in excess of a few million times could not truly be considered rare even if considered over the course of billions of years and somewhere in the ballpark of 2.5 trillion planets, at least at the current point in history, as the number of planets has occasionally contracted and then massively expanded over time. Most of the time, life never got past what you might call the early stages of development. The proverbial script never got onto the page, so to say, and the life in question tended to peter out before it even got particularly good cellular stage going. Few proteins, a few building blocks, maybe even a few cellular components that seem to work in concert with the simplistic mimicry of what life would eventually be. But nearly always it ended, due to radiation, pressure, limited chemicals, or any number of other complicated factors. Often, life appeared, created a few offspring of sorts, and then they all died off in the same day, only to arise again at the same planet, planetoid, or drastically infrequently space-junk-like comet, meteor, or the like. Still, it happened, and in fact it happened on some planets rather often. Over the course of many millions of years, it seems that, if the exact right circumstances were found, life was determined to occur, if at all possible. So, despite the relative apparent rarity of life in the universe as a whole, life itself was actually rather common. In the long history of the universe, Intelligent life is at least not so rare as to be worth all the fuss philosophers and the clergy might put on it, though it was a great deal of rarer than life in general. Sure, it's impressive and rare and majestic in the eyes of the poets and those who would put words majestic unironically, but more often than not, life on a planet gets sort of stuck at a certain stage. Maybe it's the environment, maybe it's evolution, maybe that life form never evolved a unified control board sort of system, and therefore had nothing that could easily coalesce into the brain and consciousness into a way of intelligent life, at least so far in the universe, has required. That's not to say that life is a lesser intelligence was particularly uncommon. It wasn't unusual to get clever creatures who were capable of problem solving to a minor degree. But the consciousness, awareness, and sense of self and others that is generally accepted to be intelligent life was somehow both a great deal less common than might be hoped for, and a great deal more common than philosophers staring at the stars in melancholic despair generally feared. Simply put, intelligent life is rare, but it is rather a large universe out there, so rarity isn't such a big deal as the poets and fearful folks writing about the stars might have you believe. It happens from time to time, but like a protocells, it really is capable of holding out and becoming something greater and grander. Usually, and more accurately, nearly always, intelligent life goes beyond the early stages of development. 
in the long, laborious, ancient, and long-winded history of the universe. However, some things are rare. Some milestones of a sort are rare enough that they are worth noting, studying, and understanding. In fact, at somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 billion years of universe existence, there was only nine species that had achieved faster-than-light travel on their own. Out of the many trillions of planets that existed, only nine ever supported life forms that became capable of spaceflight and leaving their own solar system, and eventually mastering faster-than-light travel. The first seven happened independently, separated from one another in time. Their experience and existence within the firmament of creation was a relative blip, as each species' existence far apart, both spatially and temporally. Each species rose up, mastered the science and technology that would allow FTR travel, and scoured the space first near their own star. All stars, uh, considering that two of these species had arisen from a binary star system for a generation or so. Then curious to discover the rest of the galaxy, they would head out to the nearest star, and perhaps even consider venturing into more stars over time, where they hoped to find planets capable of supporting complex organic life and maybe even meet someone else in this great, cold universe that was also intelligent, and maybe even space-bearing. Usually, they gave up there. They didn't generally try to escape their galaxy, though, again. Two, interestingly, the same two that were birthed in the binary star systems, even managed to venture outside their home galaxies and spread throughout the universe. And after a time period that to them seemed interminably long, and to the universe was barely even the tiniest, briefest of blips, they passed out of existence, whether by transcending to a virtual world, giving up and committing mass suicide, succumbing to some great or horrifying cataclysmic disaster, or simply slowly petering out and letting an uncaring cold universe take them. These were the things that impacted the first seven species to become FTL capable. Though some did find intelligent life, they never found life similar enough to themselves that they cared much to interact and none of the intelligent life they found was ever, themselves, able to raise up to the point where they would escape their planets, their stars, or the boundaries of the speed of light itself, which is generally the necessary hurdle to overcome in order to become a true space-bearing race. Certainly, stasis or something similar works, but until you can collapse space-time, or dive at will somehow through it, in the case of a few species, your journeys within the universe will be necessarily short-lived particularly costly. It seems the law of nature that highly intelligent races don't do well with long, temporarily confusing waits and stasis, for some unknown reason. Then came the eighth race to the FTL travel. They managed to impress a feat of FTL travel roughly 13.8 billion years into the existence of the universe, and they called themselves Humanity. Humanity did nearly everything that would have been expected if there had been any entity left that had overseen their existence and therefore had the expectations to begin with. There was not, tragically, any such being and therefore nothing managed to get even the littlest bit of amusement or joy from watching afar as humans cheered and celebrate and jumped around when their first ship reached the nearest star. This was, cosmically speaking, rather a shame considering how thoroughly endearing the little event had been. Practically an entire planet cheering and dancing about and high-fiving, which, interestingly enough, is another seemingly universal gesture to all highly intelligent species, for reasons that may never be known. 
Then the humans deviated from expectations, though that word was less meaning than considered against the back of beings with expectations to begin with. Nonetheless, while each of the other seven prior species achieved FDL travel had headed to the nearest star, then eventually, between 0.8 and 2.7 generations, of whichever species was in question, chose to continue onwards to the next star, humanity did not. Instead, humanity headed out towards every nearby star with even the remotest chance of containing life, or something worthy of study, and they headed out in a fashion that could be charitably described as slapdash, barely waiting for the slow-moving signals from the crews at their nearest star to reach back to Earth before beginning new vessels. While the first ship was bent, the laws of space and time had a monument to engineering, precision, and ingenuity. The next wave that flew out were more diverse mix of quality, and similarly fine and impressive ships all the way down to those that were unlikely to traverse safely at a walking pace, much less several times the supposed highest possible speed without cheating the system in the universe. Each species before humanity had spread out slowly, then faster and faster as their technology improved and their fears eased. They had found, eventually, life of a single-celled form and then spread and searched, themselves and with robots, for new life until they discovered something that was near or at least approximately near being intelligent, which was always a bit of a letdown. After all, by this point, they would have spent lifetimes and lifetimes in space searching and then inevitably found the species whose intelligence was capable of perhaps some sort of awe and shock at finding that they weren't alone in the universe. But so far... No species had come across anyone who was actually capable of understanding the concept of the universe on its own yet. Thus, the search would continue seemingly in vain. And while there might be hopeful, extremely rare planets their intelligence seemed likely, they were never particularly advanced, and certainly not capable of being understood, or giving their own understanding back in a meaningful way. Humanity, however, spread out like a plague of very excited toddlers when released to the universe. Toddlers, it should be said, that were proverbially unleashed in a galaxy composed entirely of far-flung cotton candy and soft toys with bright lights and exciting sounds. Simply put, humanity set off with a level of passion, excitement and hope that was quite literally unique in the entire 13.8 billion year of the history of the universe. They set off at random with delight and anticipation and a great many more dreams of meeting aliens and becoming friends with them and then any other species prior to humanity ever had. And they were badly disappointed. While it took less than two human generations to find any life out in the universe, generation being defined generally as the mean age of offspring rearing, which at this point in human's history was 28 years, it was far too long to wait for human patience. Before the first generation of searching was over, many humans had fallen into despair and concluded that the universe was empty and alone and had decided to search was not worth the effort. Others, seeing the problem more as a logistical issue than a question of depressing likelihoods and tragic universal loneliness, decided to begin crafting ships that could search for life autonomously something no previous space-faring species had begun to build for far, far longer in their search. Again, humanity was impatient and, as a result, ahead of the curve. But these ships the eventual knowledge of life existing in at least some form on several other planets, humanity set to escape their own galaxy. They reasoned, perhaps a bit illogically, that if they could leave the galaxy, they should leave the galaxy, if only to prove that they were capable of doing so. 
and thus, with tens of thousands of autonomous ships searching for every star system they knew for life, they began the process of sending themselves and their search ships out into the galaxy, as well as into the universe more broadly. To avoid spending ages covering what could charitably be described as a very long search with depressingly few results, let it be said that humanity was persistent. Yes, many had given up on the search for others in the empty void of space, but that did not matter. Humanity was not made up of only those who doubted, but also those who believed, and believed with a passion. And with advancing technology, passion, and the certainty of belief that they would find others out in the empty void of space, they pushed forward until they broke out of not only their own galaxy, but out of the galaxy cluster nearest to them as a whole. Crossing a seemingly infinite space and, uh, like a disease of curiosity and exploration, humanity crossed the universe in its search, with more curiosity, passion, drive, and hope than the entire combined species that had come before it. Sadly, this did very, very little. The next species to achieve FTL on their own would not rise for roughly 0.2 billion years, which was still several million human generations away. This left humanity alone in the universe in a way no previous species had fully comprehended. This is not the loneliness of thinking that you might be the only space-faring race within your galaxy, but rather the near certainty that you were the only space-faring race in all creation as a whole. Even discoveries of ruins are so ancient that it's nearly impossible to comprehend, showing that there had been other species to reach the stars in the past that had nothing to help humanity. It showed them only that space was not the greatest foe they faced, but time. Of course, by now, humans would live for near indefinitely, barring accidents or tragedy or suicide, but being theoretically capable of enduring a few hundred million years of waiting, especially when you wouldn't know how long the wait might be, and actually being able to wait for a long period was very, very different. And so, humanity cheated. They cheated unfairly in the great game that is the universe. They stopped waiting altogether. They found those rare few semi-intelligent species and generally unseen for the reasons that made sense only to someone who the deranged or logical as a human. They helped. The work was slow. They took longer to bring the most advanced race they'd come across to spaceflight than it had taken for man to go from hunter-gatherer to space wanderer. But it was still quicker than anything else that they could come up with. And by doing this themselves, they knew of exactly who it was and what they were going to meet very soon. They knew the culture, language, ideas, science, and personalities of the infant race that they had secretly raised from limited cognition to spaceflight. And they rejoiced. Their new friends, a species that had named itself the Torashin, celebrated for their new friends in the universe and were not shown the human's hand in their own elevation until they had nearly discovered the interference themselves. Then, realizing there was nothing much to be angry about, even if they were a bit uncomfortable to consider, they joined the humans in the search and guidance looking for other races. Generally, it was a long wait before they found a new companion amongst the stars. Most of the life they came across was a single-celled or protocells, and the sheer amount of time needed to raise such a species was too much even for them. More than that, at what point they had to ask themselves, are you stepping in to help a life form grow, and at what point are you creating it, if you start so early in the evolutionary development? No, 
No, it was simpler just to wait until they found a species like the Tarushan that had been somewhat intelligent, at least basically sapient, and helping from there. The Tarushan, too, agreed to help out only from the shadows, the dark, guiding the new races carefully without revealing their hand in the development, so as to allow them to develop on their own. Instead of worship or mimicry of those who had been raised them up, and thus was the Progressa people brought into the still very tiny fold of intelligent, space-bearing life from the universe, along with a still-questing, still-searching humanity. Though there was very little left in the universe, their autonomous ships had not, by now, at least traveled near enough to inspect from long-ranged, advanced alien life. And thus did time pass, with only eight species had managed an incredible task of faster-than-night space in their own time, Humanity increased that number of species who were capable of it, even if only with their assistance, and a great many times over. One living species had become two, which became three, and so forth. It took time. Time, the universe's greatest weapon against an upstart life forms who had the audacity to break its rules, continued for a long, long while. It marched steadily forward, a few races dying out due to their own desires, or a few seemingly unavoidable catastrophes, but far, far more being brought from relative savagery to complex cultures and intelligence. And humanity, with the new universal companions, continued their work. Which is how, when the universe was 13.984 billion years old and the nine species to discover FTL travel on their own joined the stars in the far-flung ranges of space, they were not alone as all those who had come before them had been. Instead, this new species, the Void Wanderers, sent out a questioning beacon to the endless reaches of space, dodging anything but a microwave interference and emptiness might return back to them. They were pleasantly surprised. In response to the signal sent out to the stars they could spot in the sky, asking for confirmation that they were not alone, they received a barrage of messages, echoed hundreds, perhaps thousands of times over from everyone around them, from as many species as I dared to dream of, from a thousand galaxies, some with only one species, a few with multiple, they received a welcoming cheer and a greeting from the populated universe, full of life. Then there was a barrage of greeting messages died down. They stared, awestruck into the inky void of endless space before them. A single message reached through from the technology now so advanced that it could be read in the instruments as if it was spoken on a radio translated perfectly for them to hear and understand. Welcome to the universe. Humanity sent them by way of greeting. Sorry that it's a little crowded. We got a bit impatient. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.